What's going on? My name is Matthew and welcome to the Real Life Podcast. This is a place where we hope that you can be encouraged, that your faith can be built up, and that you can leave feeling more connected to Jesus and his church than when you tuned in. Welcome. My name is Michael. So glad to be with you. I'm a pastor of a church called Real Life. We exist to reach the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Man, I believe that God has us here on purpose. He's going to speak and encourage each and every one of us wherever we are at today. And I just want to take a moment. I know it's been a a crazy week, uh, year, season, whatever, however you want to describe it. I just want to take a moment and, and take a breath. So breathe with me in and out. We've got this brief time together to focus on God, who he is, what he's done, who we are in him. And I just want to invite us into that. And thinking of this whole season with the political uh, thing that's kind of wrapping up and figured out right now, it made me think of camps and, and, and these camps we find ourselves in. You know the camps I'm talking about, uh, uh, coffee or tea drinker. Which one are you? Which camp are you in? Ice cream, cake, or pie? Are you an SUV or a minivan family? Do you prefer football or baseball? You know, do you love to read books or watch the movies of the books? Uh, or, you know, are you a Democrat or Republican? Which, which camp do you find yourself in? And, and uh, maybe even more poignant question to ask is, who'd you vote for? That's not in and of itself a divisive uh, question, but it, it can be, and it is, if you're not in my camp. Uh, I think of this, this whole thing, uh, this whole election season, we spend so much time in our own camps, casting judgment towards the other camps, saying, saying hey, everything that you stand for or about, man, is divisive, it's evil. You are ruining everything that's good and holy in this world. And then the election happens and we're supposed to hold hands and skip together in unity. How is that working out for us? Right? Camps bring division. But I think we like being in camps. I think we, we love being in camps. You know, whether it's the coffee, cake, baseball, minivan, movie camp, or, or whatever camp you're in. Uh, and, and why is that? I think it's because we desire to be with people. We desire to be connected, to know people and to be known by them. We desire this connectedness to the core of us. I think of gangs. Uh, There's not probably much we can agree on, but I don't know that many people go, hey, I want to join a gang and do bad things and potentially get shot. But why are people flooding towards gangs and getting involved? It's because they find a place where they can connect where they can be known and know each other. They feel a family. And what is that? It's, it's this remnant of our godly design. You and I are created in the image of God. And in that, we are meant to be whole. We are meant to be in whole relationship with God and with each other. Now, sin has broken that and fractured that all over the place. So now what are we going to unite around? Where are we going to find wholeness? My thoughts, your thoughts, the majority, the minority, Jesus and his kingdom or this earthly kingdom. The tension that you and I are facing is nothing new. It started in the very beginning with the fall and it's written throughout all of our history, both the history in the Bible, but just human history. We see this tension of being pulled into different camps. I think of the story in Joshua 
Uh, some of you may be familiar about this story. Uh, Joshua, they go to Jericho and they march around the, the city and they blow trumpets, the walls fall down, they conquer the city. Right, well, right before that, he has this encounter with this angelic being and Joshua immediately falls to his face. And then he gets up and the first thing he asks them, are you for us or against us? Which camp are you in? And I love the responses, neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army, neither. But it's that desire. We want to be in a camp. We want to know who's with us and who's against us. And we join these camps. We build these camps. We pull people into these camps through a broken filter. Why? Because we're broken people. And so we filter these things. And camps, they keep us from responding to Jesus, from living our God-given plans and purposes that he's called and created to. They rob us of that. And instead of living for the kingdom of God, we trade it for this worldly camp and we end up dissatisfied. And we end up trading what God has called and created us for, this amazing life of fullness for a cheap imitation. And some of these things aren't bad that we, we, we follow or fall into, but it keeps us from living that great plan for us. We get to be invited into the kingdom of God and his plan and purpose just to reach this world for him, to, to rescue people from eternity separated from him. That is an amazing mission. And that's what it's all about. And so the question is simple, which camp are you in? Where do you find yourself today? This falling into camps, pulling people into camps. Again, it happened in Jesus's time. And I love the story we're going to jump into. It's, it's found in Luke chapter 11, and we're going to pick up in verse 14. And it says this, it says, now he was casting out, that's he is Jesus. Now he's casting out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. Now you and I, we may look at this and go, that's a cool miracle but there's so much depth and layers to this miracle that you and I may not understand because one, we're not there. Plus we're not kind of entrenched in their culture at the time. This was significant. Now, many people cast out demons in those times. Many of the, the religious leaders, what they would do is they would ask the demon its name. The demon would respond with its name and then they would call on God's power and cast that demon out by name. The tricky part is, when the person's mute, they can't say the demon's name. And so by Jesus casting out a mute demon, he was making a statement. He was declaring to everyone present and to us now that he is the Messiah, the savior, the hope of the world. He is God himself. He has power and authority over everything. And, and in this moment, it was amazing. And we see some marveled. But then as we continue in verse 15, it said, but some other said, well, he casts out the demon by Beelzebub, you know, the, the prince of demons. And others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. And so this crowd, they all saw the same miracle. They all know the cultural background. They all know that, man, this is, this is not like the other religious leaders. We've never seen this before. This is powerful. This is crazy. And... and the crowd had to decide, how do we interpret this incredible miracle that we just saw? 
and immediately camps start to form. People start having their own uh, you know, ideas with their broken filters and start pulling into camps. We see the first camp to, to form was this camp of people who marveled. They saw what happened and they go, whoa, that's amazing. Uh, he, he must be the Messiah. Maybe he is the Messiah. He is the savior, the son of God, the hope of this world. And therefore, we need to trust him and come under his authority because he has powers that we've never seen before that only God can have. So we see that camp forming. Then we see this other camp of doubters who go, no, no, he must be uh, using the power of Beelzebub and, and, and demonic power and rejecting that Jesus could be the Messiah. He's using some other way. It can't be, it's a doubt. And then there's still this other camp forming of skeptics go, well, that was a cute trick. What else do you got? Right, And there, this idea that, man, we want more. Yeah, we know that only God could probably do something that you just did, but give us more. These camps are starting to form. And essentially, there's only two options. Either Jesus is the Messiah, and he's demonstrated that power by casting out this mute demon, and we need to follow him and come under his authority, or he's not, and he's working for the other team. And it continues... In verse 17, Luke says this, but he, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, thank you. Thank you, Luke. Again, reinforcing, only God knows people's thoughts. So Luke puts that in there. Knowing their thoughts, he says to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls. Now I could comment of how poignant that little part of scripture is divided kingdoms, nations, all that stuff, but I'm not, you can talk about that on your own. And he says, but if Satan himself is also divided against himself, how will he, his kingdom be saved? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Again, drawing back to all of the religious leaders use the power of God by asking the demon its name and casting them out. So if I'm casting them out by Beelzebub, then what about all your people who've done that? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. But if it is truly the power of God, the finger of God, if I am God's son here, the Messiah, the savior of the world, man, the kingdom of God has come upon you. How powerful is that? And then he shares a story. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe, but when one who is stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he was trusted and he divides his spoils. And then Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Are we with Jesus? Are we connected with him? Are we following him? Are we gathering with him? Are we on mission with him? Are we helping reach the world for him one person at a time? Because if we're not, we're actually scattering. Then he continues with the story. He says, when the unclean spirit has gone out from, of a person, it passes through this waterless places seeking rest and it finds none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house all swept up and put in order. And then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the state of that person is far worse than the first. There's this idea of, of cleaning up your life is one thing. 
But filling your life with Jesus' spirit is a completely other thing. You and I, can we can white knuckle it. We can try harder, do better to clean up our lives, to, to stop doing all of the things that were bad in our lives. That's only one thing, to stop sinning. And yes, we should stop sinning. Jesus himself said, hey, go and sin no more after you forgive people. But that is not to be done on our own power. Just trying to stop sinning is one thing. But if we would come to Jesus and be filled with his spirit, empowered by God to walk out this life, that is a completely different thing. That is the good thing. That is what we are called to do. Not to white knuckle it, not to try harder. Because ultimately when we try harder, we fail. And then we lose heart and we end up getting discouraged. And sometimes we walk away from God because he failed us when really we were relying on our own strength. We need to come to Jesus, be filled and empowered with him. And then at this moment, as he was saying these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That is those who hear the word of God and obey it. And so what do we do with this, the story, this interaction we see with Jesus and, and uh, how does that apply to our lives? The encouragement I, I want to bring to all of us is don't fall for the camp trap. It is a trap to fall into these camps. Camps are immature Jesus's kingdom is our aim. It's our heart. It's our priority. It's our focus. It's what we're invited into. We're supposed to be following Jesus and joining him at his mission. That's what we're supposed to come together around, Jesus and his mission. And his mission is one of reconciliation. That is one of restoring relationships, restoring friendships. Jesus came to restore, to make a way that we could be reconciled to Christ, to, to God himself, that our relationship with God could be reunited, restored, and our relationship with each other could be restored because sin has broken all of those relationships. We are in the business of coming together, not dividing into camps. The Bible has some pretty strict instructions for, for us and for people who are, di are divisive. It says this in Titus, it says, as for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing to do with that person. Why? Why would, why would God instruct us to, to live that way? Because he knows when we start ripping people into different camps, it's not his heart. And so he says, hey, if, if you are that person, you probably need to, to be cut off or we need to not be around you if all you're doing is trying to rip us into these different camps. It, it would be like me. Well, let me, let me say it this way. This creates a tension. If you are a divisive person or stuck in a camp trying to pull others, it makes it really hard to be in relationship with you. Why? Because every time we interact, you have to agree with me or our relationship is broken or I'm gonna to try to pull you in to believe what I believe. It's like me trying to pull you, the ice cream camp, into the, the cake camp. That every time I, I, I meet with you, I'm like, hey, ice cream's dumb. Cake is the way to go. And then we have these peacemakers around us who go, hey, ice cream cake exists. And I go, gross, no, that's not okay. 
And actually, as I'm thinking about it, I'm more of a cheesecake fan. Is that even a cake or is that a pie? I don't know where I'm at. I'm all confused. But if I just come and start attacking you and try to pull you into those things, man, we can no longer be in relationship. Every time you see me, you're gonna be like, oh, there's that weird cake pie guy. No, and I think of during this election season, I'm seeing reports of, of people like, it breaks my heart. They're saying, oh, if my parents vote the wrong way, what is the wrong way? Whatever camp I'm not in, right? If they vote somewhere outside of my camp, we're no longer family. Families are being broken. That is not God's heart, not God's desire. Jesus, he will force us to decide, do we wanna set up our own camps and pull people into them or do we wanna follow him? come under his loving leadership and authority for our lives. Jesus lovingly puts that decision in our hands, your hands, my hands. Are we going to respond to Jesus or not? And and here's the truth. Jesus is our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. No government, no position, no president, no kingdom, no success in your life or my life will ever satisfy our souls. There is one that can do that. His name is Jesus. He's the only one that can save our souls. He's the only one that can satisfy our souls. He's the only one that can give us true peace, purpose, rest. He is our only hope. And so what are we doing with these camps that we may find ourselves in? What are we doing with that? Is is our stance or belief leading us to Jesus or away from him into one of these camps causing division and brokenness. I think of uh, the story and there's this group that marvel. And I would say it's okay to marvel. It is okay to marvel and see what God is doing. Going, wow, that is amazing how God is at work around me. But if all we do is marvel at God working, and going, wow, that's cool that God's doing that and that over there, but we don't actually respond to him and follow him and join him at his mission. That's a dangerous camp to be in. And it's a tricky one. And I may step on some toes right now, so I'm sorry. But if you just marvel at God at work around you and you think you're connected with him, but you're not actually following him or actually joining him in his mission, I would say, I'm praying for you. Please respond. If you are watching online or in a real life at home or in a building on Sunday, worshiping God or watching God, right? Watching God going, wow, look at God. People are responding to him there, responding to him there. You're marveling at all of the things he's doing, but you're not engaged in it. You're not connected with him. Man, that's a camp. We need to respond to Jesus. Maybe you have those, these doubts, and, and it's okay to have doubts if your doubts lead you to Jesus. I've been in places and I've heard stories where, well, if you doubt God and, and anything that he has to do with it, you're out of the kingdom. I want to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. If you have doubts and those doubts lead you to Jesus, he is big enough to carry your doubts. He will love you through your doubts. But if your doubts lead you to build a camp and get a whole bunch of other people together that doubt and start throwing stones at those who are believing and following and responding, that's a bad camp to be in. I look at Jesus himself. We we hear about this story about doubting Thomas. 
dude gets a bad rap. I'm sure he was a good dude, but he gets labeled doubting Thomas. But what I love about this is he brought his doubts to the resurrected Jesus. I'm not, I'm doubting that you are my Lord and Savior. And Jesus goes, get out of here, you bum. No, he goes, come here, look, see. Jesus loved him. He was big enough. God is big enough for your doubts if you take them to him. I think of the skeptics. Yeah, that was good, but I'm going to need to see more. It's okay to be skeptic if it brings you to Jesus, if it leads you to come to him and go, God, I think I need more. I've seen you move before. And what's amazing about this, and, and I've had experience in this in my life, God meets you there and he lovingly shows you and reminds you of how he's always been with you. All of the things he has done in your life, your story, the highs and the lows, he's been with you. And he reminds you that he is big enough and wants to love you to a place of growth and healing and wholeness. I think of myself and wrestling with God going, yeah, I know you've done all these things in my life, but I haven't had a dad. My dad was outside of the picture. And when I brought that to Jesus, he lovingly reminded me, no, no, I was there for you. You had a dad in this person during this season of your life. You had another dad in this season of your life. Jesus didn't kick me away because I was skeptical or had doubts. He embraced me and and he called me. And so what are you doing with the camps or the filters or whatever the perception you have? Are you running to your own camps or are you running to Jesus? Here's, Here's the bottom line for this whole thing. We need to respond to Jesus respond. Now he may correct our response. None of us are perfect. And so we may come in uh, hot with a response that may just be a little off. I even think of this story. Uh, The lady raises her voice. She responds to seeing Jesus move, declaring that he's the Messiah through this, this miracle. She responds with blessed is the womb and the breasts. That's weird. And Jesus goes, well, thank you. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Jesus gently correct her response and invited more to respond with her. And I think when you and I respond to Jesus, we will be living a life that, is, uh, that will lead us to wholeness, to fulfillment, to peace, to true joy. Why? Because we'll be connected with Jesus. We'll be following him in relationship with him. So here's a question for you. How is God calling you to respond today? How is God calling you to respond today? Is it to put your faith in him for the first time? You're hearing about this God who loves you so much. He sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life that you and I couldn't. He died on a cross, rose from the grave three days later, conquering sin and death, that if you and I would put our faith in him and we'd follow him, not just marvel at him, but we'd actually follow him and, and enter into relationship with him. We would be reconciled to God. If that's the response you need to take, we want to help you and, and walk alongside you. There's going to be ways to, to respond. It's the telephone number on the screen. It's the uh, connect button on our website. All of those things. Is it, Jesus asking you to respond, put your faith in him. Maybe it's, it's to take the next step and not just marvel at God working around you, but actually to join him in his mission, to connect your gifts, your passions, the part of this story that God has built into you to lead others to find and follow him, 
to reach others for Jesus, to help them get connected to the mission, this life-giving Jesus and his mission and purpose. If that's you, respond. Text the the number. Go to the website. Maybe if you have doubts that you've been questioning and all of those things, maybe your response today is to take those doubts to Jesus. Take them to him. He is big enough. He loves you enough. He will receive you and he will love you through your doubts. Same with those of us who are skeptic. Take those to Jesus. Maybe that's your response, how you need to respond to Jesus. And we want to, again, help you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to encourage you. We would love to walk alongside you and help you follow Jesus to respond to him. One of our our core values are we are passionate about people's potential. We believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And it's not going to be found in these camps. You may find temporary, uh, I don't know, relief because you have other people who are just as messed up as you complaining about the same things. And so you feel like you're doing a good thing, man, your potential is found in Jesus in following him and joining him at his work. And this, this whole following Jesus, responding to Jesus, isn't just a, a bolt-on. It's not an add-on to our life. Like, I'm going to keep doing the things that I've always done and just sprinkle some Jesus on. It's not. I mean, Jesus made it very clear. He said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you lay down your life, you lose your life, you will find it. What's he saying there? He says, man, if you follow me, give up your life and follow me, you will find peace. You will find fulfillment. You will find wholeness, that desire to be connected. You will find that by following me. What if we were a people who are more consumed with Jesus than the camps? We're more consumed with following him, joining him at his work than setting up camps and trying to draw other people with us. What if we were people, instead of gathering in our own camps and trying to, dr- to drag others with us, we look to Jesus and respond with faith. And, and we take in him all of the, we take with to him all of the awe that we have, all of the doubts, all of the, the skepticism we have when we run to Jesus, knowing that he is big enough to handle it all. What if we were people that did that? I believe that Jesus is inviting every single one of us, every single one of us to him. To himself. He reveals his power and his authority in this story. He reveals he is the Messiah. He is the only hope that we have. He is the son of God, the savior of the world. And he reveals that to us. So what are we going to do? Are we going to trust that he is God? He is in control. I think of everything that's happening around us. The, the, the world is shaking, but Jesus and his kingdom is unshakable. Are we going to trust him, follow him? Are we going to respond to his love, his invitation? Jesus loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to reconcile you, bring you back into relationship with God and with each other. Will you come to him today? Will you you repent, which means give up your old life and follow Jesus? Will you be saved Will you respond today? I want to pray that God would lead us all. Every single one of us has a response today to follow Jesus, to choose him, 
to join him in his mission, myself included. Jesus is calling all of us to respond. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for sending Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating that you are the Messiah. You are the only hope that we could ever have. And I thank you that if we just follow you, we respond to your invitation and follow you and join you at your work, we will experience an amazing life, a life that's full, a life that is complete, a life that is connected. And so God, I pray for everyone watching, everyone joining in, that as you lead, as you call each of us to respond, that we would follow you, that we would say yes to you. We would take that next step and and respond. God, we thank you so much. We need you so much. God, what this world needs, what our country needs is people saying yes to you and following you, not setting up camps. So God, forgive us for the camps we've set up. Forgive us for pulling people away from you and your purpose. Help us, Lord. We need you. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Real life, I wanna invite us to respond. Uh, So text the number on the screen, go to our website, and, and we're gonna respond in worship singing, declaring who God is and what he's done. And we're going to thank him because he is good. We love you and I will see you soon. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to stay in touch and visit the description for our contact info. We would love to be praying for you. As always, we hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Take care.